Welcome to the Blades of Steel podcast. This is the inaugural episode. I'm Justin Levine. That's Mark Freitas on the other end. Uh, Mark Freitas is a contributing writer to Fired Up Network doing hockey, wrestling, and all sorts of other things. Uh, and I am the managing editor of the Puckstory.com and media relations coordinator for the NWHS Toronto Six. So now you've got a little bit of background on us. What we do is talk hockey, and that's what this podcast will be. So um, you know, we're in the thick of the NHL playoffs, so that's where we're going to start. Mark, thanks for taking the time to do this. Thank you. My pleasure. So, um, again, I mentioned the NHL playoffs are well underway. We are into round two, uh, and seemingly very fast through round two into uh, what might be determined a round three tonight, at least for one side. That's Montreal Canadiens as they take on um, a, you know, a tired Winnipeg Jets, it seems. And not only a tired Winnipeg Jets, but a lackluster Winnipeg Jets. If you look at the offensive strength after Mike, Mark Scheifele took out Jake Evans with a massive hit to the head. Um, and, you know, that was brutal to watch. And, um, you know, for that, Scheifele got suspended four games by the NHL Player Safety Department, uh, led by George Peros. Now, um, why do I tell you this? The reason I say that is because that's a big loss for Winnipeg. Now, they have to look to guys like Paul Stasky to try and get the job done, but you know, not much success in that so far. And for that reason, the Montreal Canadiens are up three and zero in the series, looking to finish it off tonight at the Bell Center in a back-to-back game, which starts at eight in Eastern Time. So, Mark, my first question for you is, what do you like in this series, and what is wrong with Winnipeg? Well, first of all, pain still from that first round. Um, what I like so far is how Montreal is not letting the Jets. Um, push them around um and it's surprising to me that Carey Price is out playing Connor Hellebuck uh and remember we talked last week I thought this usually going to be like a goalie battle like you know it'd be a low scoring game no the Habs are lighting up Connor Hellebuck um as for the Mark, Mark, Mark I cannot speak the Mark Scheifele hit that was bad man it was uncalled for um I don't know why he did that hit stupid People say, oh, well, he had the puck and his head was down. Like, no, like you're scoring a wraparound. You know what you're doing. And you almost killed a guy on his birthday. Happy 25th to you, Mr. Evans. Jesus. But like, you know, like, it's a bad hit. And people, you know, they don't know what they're talking about when they take the clean. And that was that. Usually I'm a guy that's a guy I love hitting. But, like, that was a bad hit. There's a time and a place. Um, and you know what? I, I, I hope Montreal closes it out tonight because Winnipeg looks like they don't want it. There's something there. Um, where's Pierre-Luc Dubois? He's been playing like garbage this whole season and postseason, um, as well as like, you know, where's your big boys besides Sheffield? Where's Ehlers? Where's uh, Wheeler, Morrissey? I, I almost said Bufflin. I forget he's not even there anymore. But like, um, no, it's just, you need these guys to step up, and they're not just stepping up. So you know what? The Habs are going to win tonight, and that's going to be the end of the series. So I want to mention one more thing on the hit is that I was listening to this uh, this new thing on Sportsnet called Kess's House, which is hosted yep. at the house of Ryan Kessler, which I believe is either in New York or close to New York. I'm not yep. sure where it's happening, but point being, it's with Colby Armstrong, Josh Norris from Ottawa, and Canadian tennis player Jeannie Bouchard. And uh, they were talking about the hit in the moments coming up to puck drop last night uh, on a live stream. And, you know, Kessler very well admitted, Shifley, 
he didn't even try to play the puck. And if he tried to play the puck, maybe he wouldn't have gone suspended, but still a brutal hit. So it was part of you has to think that, you know, no, no matter what the situation was, he'd be suspended. But at least there's a, a recognition from a former NHL player, never mind two, as Coley Armstrong also played in the NHL and recognized this, the fact that there was no effort made to play the puck. He just final what final minute of the game, just yeah. right down the ice and right into Evan's head, thoughtless, no intention to you know get get in the game, so to speak, and um, you know he deserved it. Yeah, like the hit was obviously it was to me, the whole the 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 hit was shoulder to chest, but what caused the suspension was the way Evans landed, and I guess the way, Shif- you know, Shifty didn't really. Um, uh, stop now. If if Shively does that same hit, but Evans goes into the boards, you know it's different. You'll get a scrum, and that's it. But it was also the way how it landed and it looked bad, and you kind of had to suspend him after that. I still think it was uncalled for. No need for it. Could have thrown a stick. Yeah, and that's what Kessler said too. He could have even thrown a stick at uh, or you know at least kind of stretch out and you know have I don't know some involvement, but. You know, I digress because that wasn't even tried. And, you know, as a result, we're seeing, uh, quite frankly, what Shifley is owed for uh, that thoughtless uh, act of violence, to say yeah, the very least. So um, that being said, again, Montreal is up 3 to nothing. Now, what stood out to me in the last game was the fact that Pierre-Luc Dubois and Neil Pionk in the final minutes of the game were really, really, um, you know, pressing at every button to try and get the puck in the net. And evident but other than that this is a quiet Jets team whose offense is not there I will give credit as well to Neil Pionk who made a really excellent save uh out front of the Jets net in game two in the final minute um I mean that was ridiculous um what he did but you know again I digress because other other than that this team has no life and for that reason I think we're going to see Montreal uh take this away and we move on to round three again this game goes at 8 p.m eastern time if you're listening to this today this is Monday June the 7th um it's the second of a back-to-back and game four of the series so uh what are your expectations and when I when I say that I mean player wise because I think we both know that Montreal's just going to easily take this tonight but rather what players do we think make an impact? Because I saw someone on Twitter say Caulfield's going to score tonight. He didn't, but, um, you know, today's a new day. So what do we expect? I expect Corey Perry to keep up his reju- rejuvenance at the word. He's been different this year. Um, and he's, he's showing off like Corey Perry 2013. Um, as for Caulfield, maybe it's possible, but... Who knows? I think it'll come when, when no one least expects it. Uh, Suzuki's going to keep rolling. Uh, do, we don't know if Jeff Petrie's playing his game from decision. So we might see Romanov, who you were begging for in the first round. We might. Now, again, for those of you listening uh, and who have been curious about the status of Romanov uh, throughout this series as to why he hasn't even played in the playoffs yet, one of the main concerns that comes up with contracts is the fact that if you take a guy and put them into a game, uh, I don't know if it's the first game or if it's a certain number of games that they have to play that burns off their first year. That might be part of the hesitancy, um, which Dominic Ducharme, when speaking with the Athletics Arpon Basu, said that, you know, 
this is how he likes to keep internally and talk to the players and make sure they understand and you know whatever else was said um you can find that at arkham faster on twitter that was shared earlier today um that might very well have something to do with it but if it doesn't then yeah i'd like to see rowan in tonight uh if petrie cannot go in the end uh, and again that's a game time decision like we like you mentioned mark um so you know, again, a number of things can happen here tonight, but I'd like to see Corey Perry continue to uh, be the hustling dog of the Montreal Canadiens, so to speak. And Ryan Kessler touched on that last night as well. And then in the three to four minutes to follow hit that statement, he scored the opening goal. So, um, you know, I think it's fair to say that he is certainly a player who's going to continue to make an impact through uh, whatever the rest of the Canadians run looks like through the playoffs. And Cole Caulfield, again, a sensation. Uh, he and Nick Suzuki work so well. I believe he had an assist on the last of, or sorry, on the fourth of five goals last night. So, um, you know, is he contributing by way of goals? Maybe not, but is he contributing in other ways? Absolutely. And it, that's why the Canadians like him. And so um, this is also kind of a saving face for Mark Bergevin and the GM of the Montreal Canadiens. And he's been under heat all season. So Mark, can you, I want to get your thoughts there because I think there was a point in the season where we all thought he's a goner and that was not a question. So what now? So here's the thing with Bergevin. Every time for Montreal fans, I find that whenever he does something wrong, and it goes on through the season, he always finds a way to just rise up from the dead and prove everyone wrong. So I, I think if Montreal can manage to win tonight, they go to the third round, whatever happens, happens. Bergman, I think, will get a vote of confidence on being back, but I think he will be on a short leash. So, this is the Blazers Skill podcast on the Puck Authority Podcast Network with Mark Freitas. Um, but yeah, that being said, um, you know, I do think that you know, Bergevin could still be on a short leash. Um, again, that all depends on what the outcome is, you know, as far as how far they end up going in the playoffs. At yeah. this point, there we know they're going to round three, but is it, you know, if they don't get beyond round three, he's gone, or, you know, if they get to the cup, he stays. We don't know what that looks like. We don't know what the agreement with the Molson family is, um, who are the uh, principal owners of Montreal Canadiens. So, you know, I guess that being said, how much longer do you, do you think he's sticking around for if you had to take a good guess? Um, I think maybe one, 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 one year to a half a year left. Honestly, I think that's valid. And again, we saw a really difficult regular season for Montreal. Um, they slowly started to climb up the standings. And as I mentioned uh, in a previous recording, is that that Calgary series closer to the end of the regular season was a disaster of all sorts. They fell in three games, came home, just clinched onto a win, but that didn't do anything for them. Especially no. uh, because then they had to play Edmonton to end the year after those games were postponed due to suspected COVID-19. And so the, what, they just decided to push those games. There were no positive cases uh, in that result. It was just a matter of timing. Um, but point being is that, you know, they come off a questionable regular season and all of a sudden, they've got everyone rallying behind them. And so this isn't a team that many have faith in for that reason. So where do you find the balance in this team? Well, I want to just add on to the, them struggling. If you think about it, I don't think players care as much in the regular season, but I think for Montreal, once they found out they were in, they were just relieved. So it's like what people say, once you get in, anything could happen as we can, as we saw in the last round and over the years. They're in, so they know what they could, what they can get out of this. Um, and as for the balance, it's just it's, I forgot which have player said it, 
but they're running all four lines, and that's where all the balance is coming from. Uh, as well as Carey Price playing like 2014 Carey Price. So, um, you know what? They've got a lot of good balance coming here. Um, and then they have a, the veteran group uh, of Perry, Weber, Toffoli, Anderson. And Toffoli knows what it takes to win. I believe he won two cups with the Kings. Um, uh, Eric Stahl, he knows what it takes. So there's a lot of mixed bag in there, which is good. And while you touch on Stahl, I will mention that, you know, we've talked previously about Stahl and I've said he's not my favorite player, but we have to remember he does do things. Whereas Eric Gustafson also acquired at the deadline uh, a couple days later, doesn't really do things. So, you know, Stahl is contributing by way of assists. Um, and then you mentioned Tyler Toffoli, a veteran of this league, and by all means, a superstar scorer from Montreal all season long. So, um, you know, there are items here, and maybe they're not showing every game, but they're showing. Um, and Toffoli, yes, it's not consistent, but I believe he scored a goal in game one. No, sorry, it was game two, uh, where Montreal beat Winnipeg one nothing. So, um, you know, this is a team that is finally – you know, I would say clicking, except that one nothing game didn't really look like much clicked on either side. But um, end of the day, this is a team that, as they go along and continue on, they continue to mold. Now, many are probably thinking when I say that, but did they have all regular season to mold? And usually the answer to that is yes, very obviously yes. But, um, you know, there were a lot of missing pieces throughout the season. We saw Gallagher go down. We saw Tatar go down. We saw Price out for uh, a significant period of time. We saw a lot of moving pieces uh, in and out. And so now that they're finally all healthy, you know, we're finally seeing what good Montreal Canadiens quality ho hockey looks like. And yes, it took the playoffs. And maybe that's not ideal, but, you know, Whereas regular season, you don't get eliminated from regular season play. Regular season play is what gets you into the postseason. And, you know, if you don't want to get eliminated, you've got to play your hearts out. And they're finally doing that. Yeah. And, and, like, and you know what? We saw that with Toronto, how they play in the regular season. And then what happened in the playoffs, right? They laid an egg. So it's just a matter of how you get in and what you do in those games and what it takes to win. So with that, let's move on to the Vegas, Colorado series. They are into game four, I believe it is as well. Uh, they tied the series last night, Vegas, with a win at their home of T-Mobile Arena. And now they head to Ball Arena in Denver, Colorado. Uh, what have we enjoyed from this series? And I'll start only because the one thing that's interesting for Colorado is the consistent efforts of Nathan McKinnon. And I don't think oh, that that can be stated God. enough. Nathan McKinnon is a different animal. And you know what, Justin, people say Connor McDavid, the best player in the NHL. I have to say, I think Nathan McKinnon, the best player in the NHL. And, and you know why? This guy carries the – and McDavid, McDavid carries the Oilers. Like, at least for McKinnon, like when he wants to take control of the game, this guy takes control. And he does it well. And I think Colorado will bounce back in game five and take – take. I think they take game five and six and they move on in six. And, yeah, McKinnon is a different animal. Yeah, I actually really like your wording there because, truth be told, he's unlike anything that we've seen in a while. And you know what? I've seen the guy in person against Montreal, and he blew me away at two goals that night. Again, this is back in 2016, but nothing has changed clear, very clearly between 2018 and 2021. So um, he carries this team on their backs. And, you know, yes, Landis Gog and Rantanen have been – 
you know, subpar pieces to the, uh, to him as well. But the one who stands out the most, again, is McKinnon and that, you know, that it's not even close. Exactly. And like, and just the way they play, it's just, and they were last in hits in the season. So that shows you don't need toughness in the playoffs when you have a guy carrying your team. And uh, yeah, man, he, he's just, he's, I've seen him twice and he's just something. Um, I believe it was 20, I saw him in 2015, uh, in November of 2015. And then I saw him in 2016, in December. And like, yeah, they, they're just in person. He could go, he could, he could skate. And, and he's getting paid less money than what we think he is too. And he even said, I think last year in our group chat, he put in like, what he said, he'd take a discount. That was a quote from last year. So before the pandemic and, uh, He's going to take, do whatever it takes to win. Yeah, so now we've discussed Colorado, I kind of want to get your thoughts on Vegas because to me, there's not one standout person beyond the net who is standing out to me. What what I'm looking at the most and seeing consistently is what's in the net, and that's Marc-Andre Fleury. Uh, he's been moving like Carey Price recently, which is, um, you know, if you can move like Carey Price, you've got no problems. And yeah. he's been able to keep uh, Vegas in games. Um, maybe they haven't had the best start, okay, but he's been able to push games pretty much to the third period before the action actually starts because he's just able to, um, you know, his athleticism and agility just shine every night. And so, um, you know, this is a competitive goaltender who knows what it takes to win. He's done it in Pittsburgh and he's certainly doing it in Vegas and uh, is probably the, the number one shining star in my books for the Knights. Yeah. You know what? Him and Price are going in this thing called the fountain of youth. Um, and yeah, it's like we're in a time machine, man. I love it. It's like we're kids all over again, seeing Price and, Flurry being shut out or lights out, um, and he's done well. I, I think if Vegas picks up the slack, even though I say Colorado's going to win that series, I think if if Vegas picks it up, they'll have a good chance of winning the series as well. So with that, let's transition again because there's another playoff series, and that's Tampa Bay and Carolina. And what's interesting about Carolina that I actually just learned of before we even kind of get into the series itself, head coach Rob Brindamore is not just an NHL coach. And I don't know if you saw this, but he's coaching a U16 boys team, and he's just as hard on them as he is with his 30- to 40-year-old male. I didn't uh, know that. It's it's amazing. Where, is this on Twitter? This was on Twitter, and it, you know, he he's like, "All right, boys, this is what we're doing today. Go hard, let's do it." And this was quoted from a reporter who uh, was sent a picture from a parent, uh, and it just, you know, that that's so cool to me that even while coaching a Stanley Cup contending team is contributing to his community and you know pushing these boys because he wants to shape the future while he's shaping, you know, this Carolina Hurricanes team that has grown so much over the last two maybe three years and again i'll reference the whole bunch of jerks movement that started it and if you look at where they are now really an incredible story for sure and he's a good coach and i find that i find that players or i find that coaches or gms who are players they know the inside out of the game and that's why i think they get so much out of their uh team like example like brendan was the captain of the 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 the, Carol, the Hurricanes, so he's the coach now. This guy knows. Same with uh, Sackick in uh, Colorado. Like they know what it takes. 
So having a coach that's pretty good. And I think he's also re-signed, which is good for Carolina. Because I, I, as much, I like as much as I you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of NHL teams that need fresh-faced coaches, like Rod Brindamore, um, like Dominic Ducharme, like Sheldon Keith, like all these guys, these younger coaches are fresh, fresh faces. So it's kind of nice, and teams need to take more of a lesson to look at teams that have these old players as coaches. Now let's get into the series itself because this is a Hurricanes team that has. Um, molded together beautifully throughout this year, hence why they're in the playoffs, because they've just done everything as to, of them and more. Um, and that's a testament to, you know, what Brindamore's been able to get out of them. And for that reason, Brindamore is now on a long-term contract to remain there as well as the rest of his coaching staff, which he wanted to make sure was done before he signed. And then with that, they're facing the reigning Stanley Cup champion, Tampa Bay Lightning, who really haven't changed that much. And Again, while we talked about what that looked like in round one previously, you know, Steven Stamkos, Kucherov, both shining stars, both who missed massive time in the regular season due to injuries, and both who look like they haven't missed time. So, you know, what do you make of this series? Yeah, actually, I wanted to get your take on it, though, because Kucherov's leading the playoffs, and he was practicing for, like, three months. He does think it's kind of sketchy that he didn't play in the season, even though he was practicing. That did stand out to me. I did think that was strange when I heard that, you know, because I get that part of it is our rehab process, but there was a point where I think you're strong enough, you know you're strong enough, still just skating alone. Um, And while protection is sometimes a valid reason, after a certain amount of time, where do you divide that and cut it off and say, all right, back to game action? And so, yeah, I find that weird. That's why I also won't be surprised if they go back to back this year. Absolutely. And again, uh, Kucherov, leader in the playoffs, Stamkos, he, you know, this is an experienced guy who knows how to lead uh, this Tampa Bay Lightning team. It's all really, throughout his career, it's all he's really known. And then with that, Andre Vasilevsky continues to shine in the net. So, um, you know, um, I'm going to go Tampa Bay. I don't know about you. Yep, Tampa Bay's, well, even though I like to see Carolina, because of James Reimer, but it's going to be uh, Tampa Bay. Um, I'd be shocked if Carolina wins. Plus. Yeah, I think that would be um, that would be really something if Carolina was able to beat Tampa Bay. I don't see it happening. Again, I'll give credit to the Carolina for reshaping and playing the way they have all season long. And guys that stand out to me on Carolina, and again, you mentioned earlier on the youth movement uh, between Vegas and Montreal. But you know what? That kind of shapes itself into Carolina as well. Because when you look at the now star statuses of guys like Sebastian Aho. Morgan Geeky, who's come up from the AHL uh, sporadically a couple times to start, you know, getting his foot in the ground, so to speak. Um, and, you know, other guys, um, Svechnikov, who is wickedly talented. Um, something that stands out to me about Svechnikov, and I'm sure you've seen this throughout the season as well, is the, he seems to have a specialty for lacrosse goals, which is um, a wicked thing that only he seems to be able to do. If there, you know, if there was one team that I would hear throughout the year, there was a lacrosse goal. It, I went to the NHL Twitter, and of course it was on Svechnikov. So um, I'm going to give a lot of credit to their offense because, you know, and for that for that reason, the front office as well, uh, for finding these guys and making something of them. And then not only that, but putting them with Rob Brindamore, who, um, you know, he's had coaching his blood since he left the ice as a player. So, you know, to put them with someone so experienced and make a future out of that, I mean, it's been incredible to watch. So 
you know, I will give uh, Carolina an acknowledgement there, but, you know, you can't beat the reigning Stanley Cup champions, and I don't think we're going to see that this year. Yeah, who knows, bro? Who knows? Like, I, I, I as much as I, I'd like to see it because I like seeing the upsets, um, I'd also love to see, um, you know, um, Tampa Bay, like, win or, you know, you know, just something different, but I, I Tampa Bay's got this wrapped up. Can we talk about, you know, I guess in a sense, we would consider that a fairy tale story, just something that's meant to be. And when we talk about things that are meant to be, at the Men's World Championship in Riga, Latvia, we saw just that because what was meant to be was a Team Canada that was down uh, in their first three games with losses to uh, the host team Latvia, I believe. I want to say Sweden and Switzerland. Yeah, I'm not 100% sure that Zachary Kai haven't watched the entirety of the tournament. However, that being said, this is a team that comes down from three games to, uh, to none uh, as a starting point and shot all the way back up. And yesterday, after uh, locking down a semifinal win over the United States, you know, a wonderful way to end it, overtime winner. Uh, and I believe that was from Nick Paul. And that was to secure the gold medal at the International Ice Hockey Federation's Men's World Championship. So uh, I want your thoughts there because, um, you know, we doubt teams a lot. I've doubted Montreal all year long, but sometimes things just work out. And that was something else. Yeah, um, Connor Brown assisted on that play there. He, him and Nick Paul, two Ottawa Center players, they, they, were, they were like, they knew what to do on that play. Um, so it was nice to see them win, and um, Gerard Gallant got the was the, the head coach there, so that adds more to his resume. And he, he's won everywhere he's gone. And as for Team Canada, it was nice to see. As a kid, I used to watch the world a lot. Uh, as I got older, you know, you kind of fade out. Um, and um, yeah, it was it's good that they won, and and it's it's good for guys who are hitting free agency this year, and and more guys going back to the teams like Connor Brown, like that guy. He deserves it. Um, and Nick Paul, those two guys are going to lead Ottawa in the future. Yeah, and this is Hockey Canada's second gold medal victory of 2021. Their first happening in Frisco, Texas, when Canada won the U18 Worlds over, I believe that was Sweden. So, um, you know, how sweet it is for Canada, you know, it's wonderful. It's a wonderful thing to to witness. Uh, thanks to TSN for and RDS for uh, carrying these tournaments uh, throughout the entireties, um, you know, Again, this is a difficult year because these international ice hockey tournaments are happening in bubbles. They're happening with either a limited number of fans or no fans at all. And I believe in Latvia, they actually started with no fans and then kind of progressed to a certain number. I don't know what that number was, but um, it's nice to see that. But these players, again, it's like their NHL season. There's no in-person interaction with anyone else if they're not your teammates or coaches. Right. You've got to stay in their hotel if they're not playing. Um, I believe they've got exercise bikes, which is kind of the same thing that was slotted for the U18 boys. Um, so it's a challenging year, but, you know, a huge credit to everyone who's been a part of this to make sure that these events can happen. Yeah, they'll look back on this eventually one day and be like, ha, remember when we did that? Um, and, and yeah, so it's good, they, it's good on them. And they went from one bubble in the NHL year to go to another one. And, you know, it's good, good on them for doing that. And hopefully it's the last time I'll ever have to do that. Um, and yeah, uh, I want to uh, touch on something from the world championships. There is um, uh, Canada's goaltending of Darcy Kemper. I believe he was the um, 
he was he was a starter for Team Canada, and uh, he's a free agent this year. And I wanted to kind of transition into um, goalie talk of free agency as he is one of the goalies that are out there. And uh, when you and I talked last week, I mentioned uh, how Toronto should look into a goalie of like Morazic, but I kind of thought about it. I'd like to see, you know, a guy maybe like Darcy Kemper on a cheaper deal. You know, him and him and Campbell be a good solid 1A, 1B option. He's a big guy. Uh, he, he doesn't have like a style of Carey Price, but he's big in the net like kind of Carey Price, which is nice. But I like about a goalie. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I, think, I think he'd be a good option looking to uh, in the offseason. I do. He's a, you know, this is a kid who is still young, who's, you know, over the course of his stay in Arizona has only raised his draft stock. If there was a reason we paused out the Coyotes this season, which is a similar theme when we say at the end of every Coyote season, God, if there's one thing to be thankful for this season, this past season, it was Darcy Kemper. I mean, yeah. he's, a, he was a star, um, you know, simply said Arizona didn't win every game, um, but the Almost game in the playoffs. Sorry? He almost got them into the playoffs. He did almost get them in the playoffs. And again, when we talk about reasons of why, you know, we could credit Arizona for any successes this year, and that being one of them, it's not because of their offense. That's not, it's not a secret that Arizona's offense, again, was lackluster. And this is a, a franchise that just continues to, I don't know, strike the wrong bell and they're just not there yet. But what they have done right is their goaltending. And yep. Darcy Kemper, a uh, huge amount of credit to him. Uh, he's been excellent. And he, and again, this is a, a young kid um, who's got plenty to show. And I think that Toronto would be a great place for him to continue to raise that stock and show why he is a valued starting goaltender. And again, Toronto is now without Frederick Anderson, who is set to test the free agent market. Um, and I think Kemper, you know, he's not old and he's not, and he's not really, yeah. really young. He's that middleman. He's 31 years old. Guy looks like he's 25. Exactly. He's not – I call him a kid still because, to, in my head, he's not old. He's still oh. young, still got it. And so, by all means, I'm going to call him a kid, and I'm going to say if there's one guy right now just while we talk about free agent market for goaltenders, it's Darcy Kemper, and there's no secret. And I think if he hits, if he can go to Toronto, if he, Toronto could look into him, I think you can get him at a good cheap deal, like a two, three years maybe. And Kyle Dubas knows he doesn't have to doesn't have to do a lot this year. He knows right. he has to touch up, and that's going to be the defense and the goaltending. That's it. And, and, and maybe a little bit of forwards, because uh, I don't think Zach Hyman's coming back after um, reading uh, their comments from their locker cleanout last week. Um, I want to touch on this, because I don't know if you heard about the rumor. So Chris Johnson was on the Steve Dangle podcast. Um, and he mentioned Toronto is looking at a top six forward, and they were looking at this forward during the season, but I guess now they're going to go back to it. And it's a forward who played on an American team, and he has years on his contract, and this team didn't make the playoffs. Uh, and one name that people are thinking who it could be is Travis Konechny of the Philadelphia Flyers. That's interesting. That's actually really interesting because, you know what, he's – shaped out Philadelphia a solid little bit throughout his time there. And he's, I guess at this point in his career, he's seen as a experienced veteran and maybe Toronto could use that. And again, we've 
I'll, I'll take it from the angle of which we saw Jason Spezza, the asset that he was to Toronto this year. So maybe working within that, as well as Wayne Simmons, who became a fan favorite. And, um, you know, quite frankly, fans were upset when he left injured and was out for several weeks. So Yeah, he didn't come back the same either. Um, and the thing with Konechny is this year in Philadelphia, he struggled. He was scratched a few times. Um, and I believe him and um, – what's the coach's name from the Flyers? Alain um, Vigneault, yeah. He's the coach of the Flyers, so I think him and Konechny butted heads. And I'm th- and I thought about this. I'm like, if Toronto could swing a deal for Konechny, I think it'd be perfect because it would suck because you lose Hyman, but at the same time you're getting Konechny who comes in four years off on his contract of 5.5 mil. Um, and you know what? He's basically he's exactly a carbon copy of Zach Hyman, but there's a difference. He's got hands, so he's everything of Zach Hyman, but he has hands. And if they if they do if they swing him, I love it. Uh, I was talking to a friend of mine, and we we're we we're saying run run it back one more year with this core. I think what you could do is, is if you're Toronto, you want to if you bring in Konechny, perfect. You can move out Kerfoot, bring in a third line guy, Christian Dvorak from the Coyotes would be perfect for that third line. The kind of guy, see, I like it. See, I I got some names here. I think I should slot out. Uh, God, I should be GM. Uh, I love to see like Christian Dvorak, third line guy there. You bring back Bogosian. I hate to say it, you ship out Riley, because in my opinion, it's kind of I compare the Leafs like the Raptors. The Raptors, 2014, they got swept. 2015, they got swept. I think it was first round. Or the 20s, either year they got swept one of those years twice. They couldn't get the LeBron. They you know, and then they get their they get their guy in Kawhi, and they obviously they win. LeBron, uh, LeBron, LeBron and the Leafs now. So uh, Morgan Riley is our DeMar DeRozan. And I think the Leafs should trade Morgan Riley. I hate it to say it. I think you have the time to let go Morgan Riley. You can get back a guy on defense, maybe like a guy like Mo for, for Seth Jones, one for one. You're both hitting UFAs in the same year. So it's kind of no harm, no foul. Um, only thing would suck is if you, you know, you – you um, what's the word? You don't re-sign him, uh, or you can move a guy like Mo for um, you could do Konechny for Riley, maybe throwing a prospect like Morgan Frost. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of things that I think Toronto should do, and I, I think some of that would be good because if you could, you can get a guy, and who knows? I I think there's a strong possibility they could get Dougie Hamilton if they move if they move Morgan Riley. And I know Dougie Hamilton was a name that we touched on previously. And with Morgan Riley, before I got into the whole Dougie Hamilton thing, I was tipped about, I think, a month and a bit ago now that um, Toronto could look to trade him as soon as the NHL draft. And yes, he has one year left on his contract. So, yeah, it would have to be a trade. It's not free agency. Um, and I've heard that Vancouver is looking in on him and they they were looking in on him the last month or so of the regular season. So, yeah. It's definitely starting to keep an eye on there. And now with Seth Jones, as you mentioned, it's funny that you mentioned him because I spoke with a friend and colleague of mine a couple of days ago and I was like, you know, I know Seth Jones is hitting the market and he's not the worst option out there if the Leafs want to reboot a little bit. What do you think? Yeah. He told me, you know, and again, he's a half stand like me. So we're looking at this from a Montreal, you know, perspective, so to speak. And he said, you know what? That could very well work in, Tr- in Toronto's favor. Um, you know, again, add some age, add some experience. And um, not only that, but Seth Jones also adds a little bit of aggression as well. So um, 
you know, we I think that Toronto's headed, and I know that they what they wanted to do was go more youthful, but I think that there's a fine balance between too youthful and let's balance the youth with the vets. And I think that this season we kind of saw that only for the fact that you know Joe Thornton when we look when we look at vets wasn't the most productive, and I think we knew that he wasn't going to be and. You know, that's the end of the story. Wayne Simmons got injured, otherwise he would have been. Jason Spezza was. So if you continue to add into the trend of Jason Spezza's, I think you're okay. And so I think when you bring in um, guys like we've mentioned as well as Seth Jones, I think that that is creating a perfect balance to let the young guys work with the bets, kind of balance the ice, and go from there and see what happens. Exactly. And, and I agree with going young, but I don't like going too young. I like so, example, if they get, if they can land, talk like they're going to land Konechny. If they can land Konechny, you could have your top line of, like, Konechny, Matthews, Marner. Second line, um, maybe Nick Robertson slides into that line of Tavares, Nylander, and it, it, I just said his name. Tavares, Nylander, and, and Robertson. Your third line is where I think it gets a little, you know, dicey. Uh, we don't know who's back in there. Could Pierian will be on the move because he his stock went up during the season near the end and in the playoffs. So I'm thinking maybe you ship out Kerfoot, you ship out Involved, you rebuild that third and fourth line. Uh, Jake DeBrus could be a solid piece from the Bruins. He's been in and out of the lineup. I think he'd be a massive addition to the team. Dvorak and um, Mikheyev's gone too, so that's kind of off the books. Um, so you kind of got to fill out those lines. If you bring back Spezza, you get Spezza in there. Adam Brooks is slotted for that fourth line. Uh, so Spezza Brooks, if if Spezza comes back, I think he says he, he's willing to do. Um, and you just got to fill it out. See, even though we're fans, we make it easier said than done. But um, I I think Toronto's going to be making moves this year. We will see a new goalie. I can't see them doing Campbell and Joseph Wool. Uh, it's either going to be Campbell and Riddich or Campbell and someone else um yeah and I'll, I'll add to the joseph wall note really quickly i spoke with sheldon keith or sorry not sheldon keith greg moore head coach of the toronto marley it's closer to the end of the season and and that was the ahl season as they were finishing with uh laval and belleville and he said that you know he's very much like what he's seen from wall walls continued to grow in the ahl system um and you know Yes, he didn't see maybe as much time this year as he might have hoped. However, through the time he did, um, you know, he's only continued to, you know, expand his talents and he's got an NHL horizon. But, you know, I think the same thing was alluded by Greg Moore is that it might not be next year, but in the years to come, it's an option. But I think right now Toronto wants to go with, you know, guys from within the NHL that can bring that experience. And so for that reason, I do think, like you mentioned, that we're going to go with Campbell in the backup and we're going to go with a guy maybe like, again, Darcy Kemper, maybe as a starter. Um, there will be other guys, but right now that's one that, like yourself, stands out the most to me. Exactly. And like, I, I, I guess when I talked about Mirazic last week, I, I honestly got thinking about it now. I think Kemper be the cheapest option. Yeah, Mrazic brings experience as well, maybe more experience than Kemper. Um, you know, he's more seasoned, so to speak. But um, if we're looking at cheaper options that we can get away with and still get talent out of it, it's Kemper. Yeah, and, and there's also Chris Drieger from the Florida Panthers. So there's a lot of options they could run with. Um, yeah, but, uh, 
he's interesting because he ended up kind of becoming uh, Florida starter throughout the year because Sergey Bobrovsky just garbage disastrous season. Oh my! So um, he was their their savior, so to speak. And then came along Spencer Knight towards the end to relieve him a little bit because in the end, Bobrovsky just a disastrous. Season. Yeah, I, I wonder if Florida's gonna like expose Bobrovsky in the in the in the expansion draft. I hate to say it, but I could see it. No, after that performance, I don't know that anyone wants that player if he doesn't change back in, on the ice in Florida. And to be fair, it'd be hard, no harm, no foul for the Kraken. You kind of already get like a bona fide number one. Um, and then with that, you know, sometimes, sometimes a new change of scenery is a good thing. Sometimes it helps the player perform better. Realistically, we know, we know why. Yeah. Well, realistically, you and I both know why he went to Florida. There's no, he didn't go there to win. Let's just say that he did not go there to win. Oh, 110%. Um, and, and like, there's, there's a lot of good goalie options coming up. When is NHL free agency? July? Is it August or July? Uh, middle of July, I think. I think so. So that's going to be an exciting time. Um, but yeah, there, you know what? A lot of options. You know, you know what makes me sad, Justin? Uh, I remember last offseason, Corey Perry went up to the Leafs and he asked them for a contract or something like that. And the least rejected it. So makes me even more sad to see what could have been. But it is what it is. But um, the truth is nobody knew what it could have been because with Dallas, he look, he's always been um, you know, kind of a wrestlehead kind of player. So no one knew aside from that what they'd get. And we're seeing it right now, and it's you know, it's beautiful. I yep. I can I don't know about yourself, but I can say it's beautiful. Yep, yep. So it's pretty good, um, and, and yeah, there's there's just a lot of it's gonna be an interesting offseason for every team. Like obviously, I, I even if Toronto like doesn't make the playoffs or does make the playoffs, I always love the offseason because like seeing what moves they make. Even as a kid, I was hyped when they brought back Kudrow back in like oh nine. Uh, so like I don't know, man. Like there's a lot of things to do. I wonder too. I I wonder if Darnell Nurse is gonna be in the blue and white next year. Maybe Riley for Darnell Nurse, one for one. There's another interesting thing. And what would be even more intriguing is, you know, and I don't know if it's happening, so I'm going to go with the theoretical stance right now, is that the NHL general manager meetings always happen just around the start of free agency or if not just a little bit afterwards. And I think that's uh, somewhere in Florida. This year, I don't believe they're going to be able to do it. Again, NHL could, could surprise me and be able to hold it in the end. Um, and that's usually, like, I stay tuned to TSM throughout that because when you've got guys like Darren Drager, uh, Gordon Miller, Ray Ferraro, um, among others, uh, usually the Bob father, Bob McKenzie, uh, yep. the scoop. So from down there, it's always something to stay tuned for because, you know, those are usually when some of the best uh, signings or deals of the year are done. And uh, again, I don't know what that looks like this year, but it's certainly been an interesting off season um, as we come out of, you know, this, you know, bubblish season, so to speak. Um, and last night on the bubble part is that the Canadian government has recently approved a cross-border for the NHL to finish the NHL playoffs. So American teams entering Canada will be able to, with modified protocols, uh, which will be uh, very tight for them to follow and they must follow them, including uh, their own privately chartered flight, um, that they'll be able to play in Canada in these teams' home arenas, which again, means that Bell Center could be one of them. So we'll see. Yep. Exactly, and you know what, I like, I like a, you know what, I'm happy the government also did that. But at the end of the day too, they did the Blue Jays wrong, man. <laughs> Like, well, it, 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 as much as it, it makes sense why, I'm like, but then why can't we have it for the Blue Jays? 
You know, it's similar thing. You, teams are going to come in for a three-game, two-game set, four games sometimes, and you're in, you're out. They could just do that too. Yeah, and they could have followed the same protocols. There's a hotel attached to the Rogers Center, and I recently, I think it was earlier today, I got a newsletter from them that said they've had another two degrees uh, in Buffalo, being Texas and Boston, I think, to the Buffalo Salem Field schedule. So they're not rushing anytime soon. And, um, you know, that itself kind of sucks. And so, yeah, they kind of did do them dirty, and they also did dirty uh, junior hockey this year. We've been with them uh, OHL play, and uh, they didn't get their seed, and every month there was hope brought and hope taken and that just uh was hard to uh, was hard to be um a witness of but uh, we did get to see the ohl priority selection uh this past weekend and history was made there with Ted curry being selected from uh the elgin middlesex chiefs uh, congratulations to the sarnia sting for selecting her in the 14th round 267th overall um just kind of as we bounce around different hockeys but um yeah um uh, we're definitely set for an interesting off season is kind of my point here um and we're seeing high points and even as we look to the women's game again ted uh now being part of uh you know her major junior step uh as she wants to achieve the same thing that the men can and um you know what um good on her and uh you know i hope that the nhl continues to progress in their right direction and you know i think that that you know in my mind what that would look like is a full nhl schedule next year um not half-assing it into you know just like this year where they started in january 2021 and calling it the 2021 season i want to see the 2021-22 season i want to see it start in october i want to see a proper season i think we are getting that for sure and it's looking like we are going to get that uh and is it going to suck for us because in canada who knows if we're going to have a full barn come October. Uh, so fingers crossed for that. We know the states are going to be popping off, but those teams are so good on them. And I'm told my, I told my friend this. I'm actually happy that Seattle's going to enjoy their first year with a crowd and, and they can have fun with it. Yeah, I think it's a wonderful thing. 18,000 plus in Vegas. Um, Colorado, I'm sure, is very similar because last I saw there – I think it was last week. Yep. It looked like that looked like the party to be at. So, um, you know, it's a sign of normalcy. We're getting there. It's going to take time, but we're getting there. So that being said, the next thing on our schedule, um, you know, as we look past the NHL draft or the NHL playoffs is the NHL draft. And, um, you know, it sounds like it's going to be, you know, digitally um, presented, meaning it will be done on TV, on ESPN, and uh, probably here on Sportsnet in Canada. Um, but, you know, they're going to be stationed. I think the latest idea was to do it out of Seattle in three different spots because the Kraken are the newest team and to give them a little bit of, I don't know, just to present this new flashiness into the Pacific Northwest. I don't know what their plan is, but that was one, um, especially depending on if the arena was ready or what status that looked like. And mm-hmm. Um, looks like they might be returning to Montreal Bell Center next year when things are more normalized. So interested to see how they go about that. But um, we have a lot to look forward to. Exactly. And, and it's going to be a good draft year. Uh, Owen Power is probably going to be a Buffalo Saber. So uh, good on him. <laughs> good on him, man. Him and Darlene are going to be a good, good one, too, there. And the Kraken picking second overall. Uh, first That's year. perfect for them. Sorry? That's perfect for them. It is perfect for them, and I believe this is like speaking of inaugural teams. They broke a record in in picking second overall in their first year. So, um, more history being broken.
Exactly. And you know what? I think Seattle's going to be a good team for years to come once after next season starts. Uh, I don't think that they're going to have a year like Vegas, but I think they're going to be – in their second year, I think they'll be a, a team to be forced. Uh, I, you know what? Call, I'm calling it here. Matt Barzell will be the first captain of the Seattle Kraken. Uh, and, um, yeah. I would love to see that. I, I think that would that would just be so much fun to see. Uh, you know what? They've got the management to do it. Ron Francis, uh, Todd Lywicki, um, you know, I've got so much faith in what this organization is going to do. They signed their first player, Luke Heinemann, out of the QMJHL with the uh, Bois Briand, Blainville Armada. So uh, they've got their starting points, and now it's up to uh, the front office to do what they do and make the magic happen now. Francis has worked in Carolina. He's done his magic there. Time to do it in Seattle and see what the Kraken can become. Exactly. And it's going to be fun to see that. Um, and I'm interested to see who they'll be taking this year. So there's a lot of good names, I think, that will be exposed. So with that, that wraps up the inaugural episode of the Blades of Steel podcast right here on the Pop 30 Podcast Network. This podcast can be heard on Spotify, Apple Music, and wherever you find your podcast. So uh, that being said, Mark, where can our listeners follow you on social media? Follow me on Twitter at MarkFreitas4. I've got a YouTube channel uh, on, on YouTube, haha, uh, at MarkFreitas. Um, and um, yeah, I've got some stuff on, on there. I haven't uploaded in a couple months. Uh, and I need to get back onto that, but just uh, you can interact with me on Twitter. Uh, I've been tweeting out uh, a lot of, I'm kind of like on my hockey low right now. Um, I'm still full on the playoffs, but since the Leafs have been you know, out, I've kind of taken a break and I'm getting ready for Friday as the Euro Cup starting up for soccer. So more heartbreaks will be kicking in for me. Um, and yeah, go Portugal, defending champs. So we'll see. They could win because last time they won was two, but it was okay. They won. But uh, yeah, well, win to win. And let's cross our fingers that you don't have to go through another heartbreak. I think that's well uh, well to be said. So um, that in mind, you can find me on Twitter at JustinLevineHBS, uh, content at Puck31 on Twitter at ThePuck30.com. And uh, for other you know announcements and other things I do uh, at toronto.nwhl.zone at the toronto six on twitter uh we announced our head coach this morning so a lot of fun things coming down the rails but um you know outside of written stuff we're right back here hopefully next week on the blade steel podcast uh for another playoff breakdown um will we continue to follow headlines from the nhl um heard a little trade bug today but i'm going to save that for next week's episode so uh sit tight fans and we will be back so this has been episode one of the blade steel podcast with our very own Mark Freitas.